0: The Daily Tap is live for Friday. We are talking all about betting. We're going, should you bet Packers and Jets this weekend? We'll talk Badgers and Spartans, and then we'll get into Bucks futures. It is that time of the year to be thinking about your future bets. We probably should have done that segment a little earlier. We missed out on maybe some opportunity, but that's okay. We'll talk through it. We'll see what you guys should do. And then we'll pivot off of that. We'll do a little bit of an NMM report, talk about MLB playoffs, what I've noticed so far, and then we'll get into the tap list, best and worst shots that you could take. Uh, I was inspired uh, by a conversation that I had today about shots, and I was like, you know what? I think I need to do a list. I think I need to do a list of the best and worst shots because why not? It's Friday, we wanna be talking about boozing. I know you're probably also like you're 34. You shouldn't be taking shots. I understand that. I get that. But at the same time, sometimes you just gotta you just gotta do a shot, man. You just you just have to do a shot that that works. So, anyways, we'll get into that uh, much later in the show. Like I said, we got a big one today. Uh, make sure you're following along on social media. Tapping the keg on Twitter. We'll be all over the games this weekend. I actually am looking forward to my wife. Is not here um, I'm actually not at the snow tap office snow tap tapping the keg offices uh, I'm taping this in my living room which great um, I always do this when she's away and so I have a little more time probably to watch football so I'll be on Twitter a little bit more uh, less distracted with the uh, side projects as well as on Instagram and TikTok, Tock Technic sports there make sure you're following along also are on Facebook under the same name but who is on Facebook these days? Also make sure that you are rating and reviewing. I've not seen a lot of reviews come in. I ask every day and you can see a little more reviews. I'd appreciate it. Uh, Even if you don't wanna give a review, you're shy, you don't know how it works, at least share the podcast. You put that on your social, uh, tag us. We'd love to see that. I'm hoping to run some giveaways here soon. Um, I don't know when and where, but we are, I do have some excess memorabilia. Um, so we'll figure out ways to incentivize you and help us out. And so we'll we'll get into that and much, much more. All right, let's start the podcast. We have a lot to talk about. Let's talk Packers and Jets, the betting lines. So we started last week's show with the show I Bet Your Team, and we did it a little bit differently. So if you missed last Friday's show, shame on you. But no, I get it. Um, I understand. Fridays sometimes are tough for people. Uh, maybe they're out of town. Maybe they are catching up on their other shows and listen to NFL preview pods, their college football pods. I do that all the time, so I, I get it. But so if you missed it, basically what we're doing now is we're not just giving advice. I'm not giving you a pick. I'm telling you how I feel about this game and if I would take it or I wouldn't take it and not necessarily giving you a lock. I've realized that when you put out a lock or you say, I love this bet, More times than not, it loses, all right? Like, keep your bets to yourself. We could do a whole topic on this, but it's really important not to unveil that you have any sort of action until the game is live. Now, you can talk during the game, be like, yeah, I got Alabama, who plays Tennessee this weekend, I got Penn State, or whatever it may be. Like, you can can enunciate that. You don't have to keep it that quiet. But at that said, you also don't need to be telling people that this is a hammer play, lock, lock, lock. Like we're not fucking Stu Finer here, okay? So with the Packers and the Badgers, we will basically kind of analyze it and say, yeah, I think that's a good bet, or no, I don't think that's a good bet. So when it starts with the Packers and the Jets, they are now seven and a half point favorites over the Jets, the over-under is 45. We will start with the spread. The Green Bay Packers as a seven point favorite, they have not been a good ats team this year that is against the spread for those who aren't gamblers that means how many times they covered the packers so far this season i believe are two and three they might be worse than that they it has not been a good gambling team if you're a packer fan and you only gamble on the Green Bay packers you have lost money this year just like you've lost money on the wisconsin badgers but i do feel pretty good about seven not seven and a half i feel good about seven Buy that point down. I understand that there are gamblers who will tell you, you lose more money in the long run and yada, yada, yada. I'm sorry, play this fucking number, okay? Like that is a football number. A lot of games end as seven point finishes. Why waste, like if you put a $10 bet, $25 bet, $100 bet, why lose that money when all you could do is buy the points and yes, your return is a little shorter but you'll at least get that hundred dollars back. You'll get that fifty dollars back. You will get that twenty-five dollars back because, like, that's what it's all about. Packers are two and three ATS. The Jets are three and two ATS for those who care about those kind of things. But I do like the Packers in this game, and I feel like this is a get-right spot. So I'm my confidence is high, and I was not at this point to start the week. Like I really wasn't. I like, I really do not think. That I was going to come on here Friday and be like, yeah, take the Packers, just like I told you about the Giants, just like I told you about the Packers and the Patriots. I like after a while, you're like, are you cursed? Are you, you know, is it something? Is it you? Is it not me, but it's you? You know what I mean? Like, is it my fault that I've been hexing the Packers? But I I just look at the commentary from everybody this week, right? You had Aaron Rodgers yesterday, or I'm sorry, Wednesday, where Aaron Rodgers is very adamant, gung-ho about this offense is going to turn around and that he really believes that they're a couple steps away. And if you watch the film and and everything else, and I'm not a huge all-22 guy. I don't do a ton of that. I think guys who get get too wrapped up in it are guys who want to coach for the fucking team. That's here nor there. I realized that there were some areas of opportunity and it does show how close Green Bay is to breaking out with this offense. I I talked a little bit in the podcast with Mitch yesterday about the piece Ben Solak had, and I thought it was good, but I, I felt like Ben Solak was a little over the top that Green Bay doesn't have talent. Now, I know he's on Bill Simmons' show today. I haven't listened yet, and I know he'll probably bang the same drum. I still disagree with Solak in general in terms of the talent. I think the talent's there. I think they're going to show it at some point. And if that breakout game happens against the Jets, especially in the passing game, that is notable because the Jets' secondary has been pretty good this year. But also, are they good because of the opponents they faced? The Jets have not faced a murderer's row of quarterbacks. And when they faced a good quarterback, they've been bapped on the nose like a dog who did something wrong. Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson were the two best quarterbacks they faced. In those games, the Jets lost by 15 points in both of them. The Jets only scored 9 and 12 points. So I don't know if that's correlated or that is defenses for the Bengals and Ravens are decent. The Ravens at the start of the year, I think people were high on that defense. People thought that defense was going to be good. Now I think the jury's still out. I mean, they did play well against the Bengals, but was that a blip in the pan or was that who the Ravens actually are for the whole season, I think we'll see against the Giants. So there is an a somewhat of a how at good are the Jets? The Jets could be overrated. The Jets could be benefiting from a easier schedule because they face Jacoby Brissett, because they face Skylar Thompson at like they, and Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pick. Like they're facing some of the doldrums of quarterbacks in football. And they kind of lucked their way into three and two. Their winning record looks a lot different than the New York Giants. And take away the back game, honestly. Like, it looks a lot different. And you have to consider that. Like, you have to factor that in to handicapping this game. And I just look at it and see the potential for the Packers to get right. And the other part of this, which we didn't talk about, was Joe Barry. Joe Barry came out and said every right thing Like, yeah, we need to be more aggressive. We need to play Jair all over the field. We need to play Rasul on the outside. We need to be more, as I said, aggressive. Like, Joe Barry got some ultimatums to him. Joe Barry was certainly talked to by the organization because there is a lot of glaring stats out there, whether it is the Ben Solak piece, which we just referenced, where he basically rips apart everything Barry's doing or Bill Huber locally on uh, the fan nation for Sports Illustrated talking about how they only have seven pass deflections the entire season, and that is like an all-time low. And if you have local and national media applying pressure, that is going to add to Joe Barry's plate, and it's gonna bully Joe Barry into doing the right thing. And so that's part of the reason for my handicap, but why I feel very good about the seven is because I think the defense is going to have a banner day. I also released him in fantasy. I don't know if there's a correlation there. I wouldn't be surprised if they go off and they have a massive fantasy day, and I'm left here with the, my dick in my hand because that's that's what happens, right? That's Murphy's Law. I held on long enough, and then it bit me in the dick. So we'll see. I realize that's graphic, but it's a late night pod, man. So you got you got to you got to go with it. So yes, I like the seven. I would definitely put it in a tease. I would put it in some parlays. I think the Packers seven is a solid one. I th- I don't, I also like kind of as an aside, like if I think I'm just thinking a tease off the top of my head without digging into it. I have no idea how a Buccaneers, Packers, Rams tease loses. You could call it the get right tease. Like Buccaneers, you tease that down to two playing the Steelers on the road, who I think are the worst team in football. I I actually, I said the Commanders last week. Commanders and Steelers are battling out. But anyways, so you bring that down to two. Then you have the Packers, you bring that down to one. And then you have the Rams, who I think are nine-point favorites still. If they are nine-point favorites, then you probably have to actually bring it down to seven so you can get the three number because that's the one you want. But... Like I don't see how that loses. Like, is there any way that loses? Oh, the Rams are at ten now. So okay, yeah. So they actually know, yeah, you'd need seven points. But still, and so you're not gonna get as good of juice, but like I don't I don't know how to lose this. Or if you wanted to do it a little differently, bump the Chiefs up to nine points. I don't see the Chiefs losing by two scores against the Bills. I I would just put the Packers in a tease. Okay, the Packers are in parlay, Packers are in a tease. I realize it, but bit you in the ass last week. I, I understand that. But I feel like you're going to get rewarded this week. I feel pretty solid about the seven. As for the over 145, i medium low on the over. Um, I get the idea. Um, I actually think it's a pretty good number. I think it's a fair number. Packers overs have went the last two weeks. But as I mentioned about this defense, like what if it comes to life? What if this defense shows up? What if the Jets offense that struggled against Cincinnati and Baltimore comes back to life? Then you're going to be scrambling for points. And I don't think you really want to do that. And that's where I would probably stay away. I don't think there's anything there. If you wanted to do a same game tease, which I only kind of do during primetime games, I could see that where you take the Packers down to one and the over-under 39, like, I think that would be a really good bet. Like, I, I think that would make you some money. And, but yeah, I don't I don't really like the over. I also don't really like it as an under either because these two teams could score. They've shown some explosiveness here and there, and I'm not wanting to take that risk. I don't think this is going to be a rock fight like we saw on Thursday night. Like, I, I do not foresee that. But what I do foresee potentially if I'm, game theory in this is the Packers coming out and kicking some ass. If you want to take something other than the spread, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, and maybe if you guys have interest I can bring up props um if I have them available. Sometimes props are tough because they're not they're not fully there. But I would look into like a Zach Wilson throwing an interception. I would look into uh, you know, something around the lines of Aaron Jones over on the rushing yards. If you correlate the last time the Packers lost, I think that would be a good idea. Um, so yeah, I think there are there are definitely areas of opportunity, but I like the spread a lot more than I like the total. Moving on to the Wisconsin Badgers, they play the Michigan State Spartans. Should be a fun game. The game doesn't have as much luster as it did before a couple weeks ago, or even at the start of the season. Badger are definitely going to be a second screen team for me, Tennessee and Alabama is a top 10 matchup. You put that in your big screen. That's just facts, all right? So anyway, the spread is seven and a half, or it's, yeah, it's seven and a half two. Uh, so interesting, you do a Badger, Packer, Parlay. I wonder where that pays out. Um, and the over-under is 49. So as for the seven and a half, again, buy it down to seven, just do it. Don't cost yourself money. Uh, my confidence on that is average. So last week I told you I was not allowed to speak on the Badgers spreads because I've been so bad at handicapping Wisconsin. And I was like, all right. And of course it was the game they were awesome in, in a game where I should have laid the 10 and not even thought about it. But I didn't because I'm, an, I'm a fucking idiot. And you get in your own head and this is gambling, right? You're like, I've backed this team. Like Baylor is a great example of this. Like who lost last night? Like I've bet Baylor a lot this year and I've lost money on Baylor quite a bit. And now I'm like, uh, I can't I don't know if I can trust you. Now if Blake Shapin get doesn't get hurt, does Baylor win that game? Maybe. I don't know. It sucks, man. Um, so that's but that's gambling. Um and it's like, do I keep going back to the wow? But I was thinking about the seven and a half, and I, I understand both sides of this, okay? Like, I understand the Badger side of it, where you're like, this team is fully fixed. Like, this Michigan State team stinks. Like, the Badgers should be able to roll if they play like they did last week. And I could make the case that Michigan State is a sexier Northwestern. And what I mean by that is Michigan State looks good on paper. The the uniforms, Mel Tucker, some of the athletes they have. But they might be one of the worst Power 5 teams that's going right now. Like, they just don't have their shit together at all. There are so many things wrong with them. Offensive line play is terrible. Defensive line has been bad. They can't run the football at all. Like, I I hope Jalen Berger's happy playing more time at Michigan State. But he can't fucking break anything loose. So they can't do a lot of things right. And it's kind of like the Bill Lumberg, like, what do you say you do here? Kind of thing. Because... They're not doing anything well, and I understand they lost a lot from last year's from the New York New Year's Six team. Like I, I get it, right? That that things have changed, but it seems like such a significant drop off, and and yeah, I I don't know. And the other side of the coin is Michigan State has played well at home. They got embarrassed by Ohio State last week. If they have any sort of pride, they rally back and they fight their fucking ass off. They might not win, but this game's close. Like, this game is 27-24, and that's how it finishes. And the Badgers don't cover. Like, that to me, like, if I'm playing this out of my head... Like, I do think Michigan State has some pride. Like, Mel Tucker is a leader of men. They would suck his dick if he wanted to. That fan base fucking loves that guy. So to hear them probably having a spin zone right now, pretty humorous, honestly. But I I look at this and I say, all right, are we sure this isn't gonna stay close? It's back-to-back road games for the Badgers too. That's not, it's not exactly easy. It's not something you like to do. Again, Michigan's, stay tough place to play it's a a unique stadium I think it's just one that has given the Badgers fits in the past so you have to like that stuff doesn't usually matter but it's weird how it sometimes factors in so I'm now the more I talk about it, the more I theorize on how this game plays out I'm like more on the Less than average when it comes to betting this. I, I think I I do I wouldn't hate it if you told me, hey, Charlie, I laid the seven. Um, I'd say, all right, I, I, I get how this could happen because of the offensive line play, defensive line play, the lack of running the football and be able to control the football. I could see all of it. But I also could be weary that Michigan State's gonna, tr- this is their last gasp. Like if Michigan State wins this game, they're three and four, all of a sudden, they're kind of back on back on track. They lose this game, they're 2-5. and five. Like, the best they can do is 7-5 and five the rest of the year. And they, that would be winning out. And then, they're two losses away from maybe not making a bowl game. That's a pretty significant drop-off from the New Year's Six. So this could be a kitchen sink game for Michigan State. And the Badgers have to be prepared for it. They cannot get smacked in the mouth here because I'm pretty sure Michigan State's going to be ready to roll. As for the over-under, I actually like the over. Like, I I feel decent. I would say I am, like, above average on the over because that's all the Batchers seem to be doing lately. Four straight games with the over. Uh, Michigan State is not shy about scoring points. Their defense also is not shy about giving it up. Michigan State, all they have is the pass game and the badger secondary has been suspect at best. There's a lot of things to like about that over. Um so I I think that's one to take. Like I think you look at how this game shapes up. I think there'll be points. I don't think this is going to be a slobber knocker by any means, but you never know. Um that football can happen that way where there's turnovers, there's missed fourth downs, whatever it may be and it becomes a low scoring affair i have a feeling this is netting out somewhere in the 30 to 20 range which will be right out a number or like 31 31 24 i could see like i i could see a lot of that sort of score so we'll see what happens but yeah i'm i'm on the over here if i have to choose so to recap i feel i feel like my confidence is high for packers minus 7 uh, for the over in the Packer Jets game at forty-five, I am medium low on that. For Badgers minus seven, again, buying that point, I am average. I would just say I'm right in the middle. Like I, I don't, I, I had again, I gave you both sides. I think they're they can go either way. And then the over forty-nine, I am probably medium high on that. So if I were to say if there were two bets to make at the table for these, again, I'm risking it. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. You guys already know the two. I don't need to say it. let Let's talk about Bucks futures and get into that before we move on. The Milwaukee Bucks have obviously futures that don't really adhere to making a ton of money. You'd still make money. You could still take that future and say, all right, that's in my back pocket. And when I when it cashes in March or April, or May or June, it's like, okay, that's that's money in my back pocket. That's extra buddy money I didn't know I had. And so I, I understand that. But I do think there are ways to be tactful about how you bet this the Bucks futures. And I don't think you should bet everything. All right. Like I, I think that is priority number one. Do not bet the board here unless you are a futures better. Unless that is basically all you do. If you are like, I play golf tournaments. I bet golf tournaments and I have future bets and that's it. I'll be honest, like hand up. If we had legal gambling, I think I would have one app that was dedicated to futures and to golf. Because I love betting golf, but the problem with betting golf is you you. it's hard to manage a bankroll. When you play every night, as I do for the most part, like it's really hard to manage that bankroll. So that's where I look at it and I'm like, okay, golf is one of those things that I can't necessarily do, you know, unless the funds are there. And I, I have a little bit more discretionary. Said so I haven't had it the last couple of weeks and I'm, I'm getting itchy because you have some big fucking wins on golf. That's the thing, same with futures. And with the box, um, again, it's not the best market. You know, the over under is 52 wins. Um, I like the over. I think the Bucs are a team who could potentially have the best record in basketball. If you get that prop, you probably could get the Bucs at a decent number, probably eight to one, maybe nine to one. Like I look at the Bucs and think that they're going to have a big fucking year. I think that Giannis is out for revenge. I think that the Bucs are gonna prioritize the regular season a little bit more. They have Brooke Lopez back. Um, We'll do more in our preview pod next week with Mitch. But I I feel very confident in this team. and So going over 52 wins does not phase me one fucking bit. I I would do that any day of the week. I think that is a good bet. I think if you get to 54, not that you would, um, that's when I start being like, "Eh, I don't know, Jim, but 52 all day. To win a title, it's seven to one. So the Bucks have actually pretty good title odds. They're not, there's a little more value there. And I think that would be the one that I would take if I'm looking at all the other ones and we'll talk about some of the other ones. But I look at win the title seven to one, you drop $10, you win 70, you drop 100, you win 700 bucks. Like, I think that to me is the one that makes the most sense with the value that's in front of you because there are other teams that are shorter. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think if I if we're, theorizing how the season goes and the bucks come out looking like a wagon by christmas i wouldn't be surprised the bucks have the best title odds so you could be getting it at a value at 700 i do think if the bucks start slow remember no middleton there's a potential for them to start slow i don't want it to happen i don't think it will happen but there is that potential if that's the case you might actually have a buyback opportunity with the Bucks, and maybe their odds go to like ten to one or something like that, and you get you get it at a little bit of a cheaper price. So watch out for that. So if you're you're a little hesitant on seven to one, there is maybe an opportunity for ten to one down the road. Giannis MVP. Man, this was a good bet a couple of weeks ago. It was seven to one. It's now like five and a half to one. He's five plus five fifty. It's not that great. Like it, that's. You're not asking for a lot there. Um, I still remember um, when when I was in London. Uh, it's twenty eighteen. I said to my a group chat of ours, uh, Mitch and Murph, and I you know you guys know them. I was like, Beyonce is gonna win MVP, and I didn't place a future on it. And I thought about it. I danced around it because I think the one thing is is like futures really shouldn't be your unit because it's one of those things that you're going to look back at and you should be able to cash a decent amount. And so I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it. I am looking at i do not pull the trigger. Giannis I was MVP. I was on kind of a roll there. That wasn't the borough year. No. um, That was kind of me just start. I think that was right around the inception of sort of getting into it. And now knowing what I know now, that would have been a great bet. 550 isn't a good bet. Like... There's way too much variance. Like what if Zion's awesome? Like I I see. I think he's the most bet MVP guy, but like 25 to one for Zion seems like a really solid bet. Like to me, those are the bets you should be making in the MVP world. You really maybe stray away from what Giannis is. I, I just, if you can somehow parlay futures, I know that's available at some of the books, not at the ones that I have. But at some like you could do Giannis MVP plus the Bucks are the one seed or something like that. I'm sure it'd be crazy odds, but maybe throw it throw a dime on that, like an a, actual dime, not like a thousand dollars. So clear <laughs> um, to win the conference three twenty five. No fucking thank you. Um, that I don't like that. Eight to one for Giannis to win Defensive Player of the Year. It's okay, it was 10 to one earlier. And again, I like it a lot better at 10 to one. Here's something you could do. If you wanted to do the MVP, what I would do, not necessarily parlay, but what I would do is look at what value I get for eight to one on whatever bet I wanna make. Let's say you wanna put 20 bucks on it, okay? What's that betting? Let's pull up the betting calculator for that. So then what I would do is I would also do the MVP as well for that same price, for that same value. Now I know it's at 550, so it'll be different. So let's see, 20 bucks, that brings you back 180 bucks. Okay. So now we do the same one. This is from Action Network, shout out to them. If you do 550 to one, or five, yeah, it's 5.5 to one, you can do it, it's, it's really, it's like basically like 27, $28. So you're only adding $7 or $8. And the thing is, is if Giannis is going to win Defensive Player of the Year, he's probably going to win MVP, right? Like, I don't think there's a way that Giannis wins Defensive Player of the Year and he doesn't win MVP. So essentially you're doubling that up if you feel really good about Giannis and you feel like he could win Defensive Player of the Year. That's how I would attack it and worst case scenario, even if he's awesome defensively, but he gets fucked over by Gobert or Marcus Smart, like you're still cashing that MVP bet that's the same price. So you don't double up, but at least you have that MVP bet kind of ready and waiting for you. Other interesting things of note from a defensive player perspective, Drew Holiday's 25 to one. I think that's madly interesting that's probably worth the flyer. I realize Marcus Smart first guard to get it, probably the last guard for the next 10 years as he made it a mockery of it in the playoffs, but it's at least an interesting one. Everyone a really long shot. Brook Lopez is 350 to 1. So you could literally you throw a dollar on that. You throw $5 on that and make it and I don't know. Like if if the Bucks are so good defensively, this season, like let's say they're back to being a top five defensive rated team, is that credit going to go to Giannis and not Brooke Lopez, or is it going to go to Brooke Lopez? Because it should go to Brooke Lopez, but I think it would go to Giannis ultimately, which would help win him the Defensive Player of the Year. So maybe, maybe Brook isn't even worth a a flyer. So that's it from a Bucks perspective. I I really like the idea of the MVP Defensive Player of the Year double up and the over. Those are the three. That I would say take to bank. I I would actually say the over first, and then yeah, the correlation play. If you're if you're gonna think he's gonna win Defensive Player of the Year, you probably think he's gonna win MVP. I've been getting into correlation plays um, with the MLB playoffs, which we'll talk about now in the NMN. and it's it's been going okay. It was it was a brutal Monday. Monday was awful, uh, but it's been fun. I, I've actually really enjoyed it. Um, it's it's a different style um, than I'm used to, but with limited amount of games, no NBA right now, I was, I was like, I gotta change it up. So yes, the NMN report, for those who are unfamiliar, uh, it is the National Media Murph Report. Um, my guy Murph loves national media headlines, loves national media teams more than anyone I know. So we are talking MLB playoffs. And for us, how we do it is it's a segment that might not involve one of the Wisconsin sports teams. It just gives me a chance to riff And do things a little bit off the cuff that aren't necessarily like, let's talk Packers, Badgers, Brewers. So with the MLB playoffs, it's been fun. I've enjoyed it. I've had a good time, 10 out of 10. Uh, It's not been boring. We don't have a bunch of sweeps out there. I think two of the series right now are 1-1. You have one that's hanging in the balance for game two as the Yankees will take on the Guardians tomorrow afternoon with Shane Bieber going up against Nestor Cortez. Should be a great game. Like that should be a lot of fun. Definitely worth getting the TV down if you're at home on on Friday to watch that one or tune in watching it because yeah it's gonna be that's gonna be a good one. That's gonna be a fun, fun matchup. And we'll see if the if the Guardians, I want to say Indians, the Guardians can tie that series back up. I'm a little worried. I really like them at the start of the playoffs. I'm a little worried that they do not have the offense to compete with the big boys. And that's been the case with the AL Central for the last few years. And a case I made about the Brewers last season when they struggled against the Braves is that when you level up and you face these other this other competition, it doesn't always go so well for you. And I love the competitive balance scheduling next year. I think that's really going to actually help differentiate who's really good and who's not. And I think it also avoids teams getting fat. Like the reason... The Phillies, the Mets, the Braves all got into the postseason because of the fucking Washington Nationals and the Miami Marlins. And again, you could say, well, Charlie, the Brewers could have got in if they would have just got fat against the Reds. And the Pirates, well, they did get fat against the Reds, first of all. They just didn't get fat against another team. They didn't get fat against the Pirates. They didn't get fat against the Cubs. Run over it. We beat that horse into the ground. It's dead. It's buried. We have a casket for it. The whole fucking thing. Like, it's over. All right? I know. It's just... Have to speak it out. So anyways... Yes, I went off track there, but the I, I could see the Guardians tying it back up. Um, I just, it's really hard with that, the offense and then the explosiveness of the Yankees, right? Anytime, the Yankees can just go off like a ticking time, time bomb. Cal Contrell, who's been my guy, he's been really good. Uh, he was great through five, and then the sixth inning just kind of happened, and he blew up and gives him homer to Rizzo, and it's 4-1 Yankees before I know it, and they don't look back. As for the other AL matchup, poor Mariners, man. Mariners were able to beat, were were ready to beat the Houston Astros in game one. They have 7-3 lead. They blow it. They lose 8-7 with a Jordan Alvarez walk-off home run. Then today, the Mariners are up 2-1. Luis Castillo's pitching really well for them. And Jordan Alvarez hits yet another home run, this time opposite field to give Houston the lead. They never gave it up. 3-2 winner. Houston kind of seems inevitable. I hate to say it. Um, Houston's been in a lot of World Series. that I think this might be the first one since 2017 if Houston doesn't make it, that they're not involved. And we need to start talking about dynasty stuff with Houston. And maybe not in the sense like, so they have what, two championships or one? That's the only thing that's the only bugaboo about maybe maybe not being a dynasty but in a weird way they I mean they're the model franchise they're a the class of baseball right now and it's hard to go against the Astros and they just have so much talent it's incredible it's it's absolutely phenomenal to watch and from a World Series perspective they only have the one in 2017 so that's interesting. So they they did win the series in twenty seventeen. Twenty nineteen, they got to the World Series, they lost the Nationals, then last year got to it, lost to the Bricks. Kind of a must win World Series for them if they get there. Because if you go two and two in that stretch, it's an amazing stretch. You might talk about dynasty stuff. It's probably the most dynasty forward team. I wouldn't even put the Red Sox in there because the Red Sox, it was so fucking spaced out. Like, they won the one in 03, then in 07, and I think they won in 13, if I'm not mistaken. And I think the Yankees, you'd have to you'd have to have that conversation. You can know, only want to because there's a the whole cheating scandal and everything else. But since that core four Yankees team, we haven't seen anything else like this. But there is some pressure for them to win. And they'll go back to Seattle on Saturday. You know, that crowd will be rocking another thing to watch on Saturday afternoon. But I just, I don't, I don't know if the Mariners are able to get off the mat here. It's going to be really tough. Um, They're going to have to ride the crowd emotion. They're going to have to jump on Houston early if they want to win that game and force a game four. I'm hesitant to think they will. Um, uh, they might be a dead dog, but but yes, I think the fans, I think the fans help and hurt in a weird way, and might as well talk about San Diego and LA. So we're one one in that series, and I just wonder if the fans, if it's the pressure is gonna get to be too much, and the Dodgers are gonna rely on it. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm Sure, if Divine Sports Gospel listens to this, they'll clip it. Uh, they love to talk about who hates them and everything like that. But I just, I don't know, man. There's a lot of play there. It's gonna be a really fired up fan base. It's the first time San Diego Sports has watched playoff baseball or playoff activity in a long, long time. Playoff baseball, 18 years. So it's gonna be a fired up fucking crowd. It's just a question of will everybody be able to keep their composure? Tony Goslin on the mound versus Blake Snell. Blake Snell has been so hit or miss all year. Uh but yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a big one. And the Dodgers, we've seen this before, where once the Dodgers face a little adversity, they turtle. Um, so we'll see if that continues. Um, that that great two great games. Really looking forward to Friday night's game. That should be a lot of fun with that, that fan base. I think Adam Amin and, and AJ Brzezinski do a good job. Um, it, Adam a little more than AJ, but still both of them do all right. So we're what the only one we're missing Braves Phillies. It's an it, it, that one, to me, I don't have a good feel of it right now. First game, I thought Braves were going to win that one. Max Fried goes out, cannot pitch, save his soul. Uh, the Phillies jump all over him. He loses that game. Then I felt very good about Kyle Wright against Zach Wheeler. And it wasn't necessarily against Zach Wheeler. It was more as Kyle Wright has been incredible this year. He's pitched so well for the Braves. And I was like, all right, he's going to do it. And he did and he was awesome for that. And then you have Aaron Nola taking the hill tonight for the Phillies. Big moment. Nola's actually home road splits. He's been worse at home this year. Ah, oh, man. that That's going to be. And that fan base, another one who hasn't had playoff baseball since, I, I want to say, 2011. It's been a while for Philly baseball, too. So it's going to be raucous at all all of these stadiums. And that's probably the thing to look forward to this weekend is just how the fans might factor into, into the playoffs. But for those wondering about the the matchup, because I know you care so much, we uh, oh, we do not know who Atlanta's pitching. Interesting. So Atlanta has not decided who's going to the mound for them. Who would it likely be? This might have been announced and ESPN just is... Is behind. Maybe they're trying to decide. If they won't put Charlie Morton out there. If it's Charlie Morton. I tell you right now. I will bet. If it's. So it's. It could be Charlie Morton. Or Jake. Or Orderizzi Is it Strider? Strider just came off the IL. It's probably Strider. I would have to think it's Strider. Over Orderizzi or Morton. If it's Orderizzi or Morton. I will tell you right now. I'm betting. I'm betting the Phillies. Just, just want, want that out there. uh, Because both those guys. Are auto fades for me. So, hey so we'll see what happens with the playoffs should be good I'm sure we'll talk about it as as it goes on. I have a Phillies topic I'm kind of churning on that I I have the Phillies have to win if the Phillies don't win then the topic sucks and it will it just doesn't matter but I, I am working on one. so stay tuned there because um, baseball support you guys really enjoy our baseball content so I uh, want to keep that rolling for y'all. All right lastly the tap list we're at the end of the show. It is time to take a shot. It's it's work week's over. It's feeling good. Probably cracked open a beer. What are the best shots? What are the worst shots to take? This is the tap list. We have done five, but we're only gonna do three for both. So I guess it's six in total. But what are the best and worst shots that you can take? It's my list. I'm sure everybody' lists will be different. Hit me up on social media for yours, uh, that of shots that you wanna take. So I would say the best. Number one, tequila. I don't know if I would have said tequila years ago, but tequila, for the most part, even when it's rail, is smooth enough. It rarely carries that bite that some of the other ones that we'll mention do. It, it it's just easy. It's not, there's not a lot of science to it. It's just, hey, do you want a shot of tequila? Bartenders will make shots of tequila. There's no real science behind it. It's just a, a good, old, reliable, old, faithful. Number two is fireball. Now, I know there's going to be some controversy here. I know a lot of people don't like fireball. Nobody know people have gotten sick off fireball. But again, fireball is just easy. Fireball is just all time, just quick pop, you're done. And, and, and it's if it's chilled, even better. Um, that That's how you know a bar is doing its job. Um, I understand it's an immature drink. I understand fireball is not something that's consumed as much maybe as it was A few years ago, it certainly lost its luster, but I still enjoy a good fireball shot. I think it works. And then number three, I'm gonna say any sort of bomb, they get the job done, right? Whether it's Irish car bomb, whether it's cherry bomb, whether it's a Vegas bomb, all those are good. All all those, you red, white, and blue bomb. I think a couple bars have done with the Smirnoff. I I will never say no to a bomb. I bombs are all bombs will always play. I think Jaeger bombs are a little bit risky. Um, but still those are a lot of fun is had with bombs. Bombs aren't done enough in your in your old age, right? Um that's where I show like it's like Charlie be a little more mature. Um, I honestly, I was almost gonna say screwball instead. Um, I forgot screwball on my initial list. Screwball's great. Um I think that again, another one that kind of went up and it went straight down. Like I haven't heard a screwball in the last year, I feel like, but I I like it, I, re- I really do, and I, I think it's a good shot because it's it's a quick liqueur. Um, it could certainly be a mixer shot, but yes, I I would go with any sort of bomb. Actually, my favorite bomb you know, while we're here, Jamo pancake breakfast, all time. It's Jameson, it and then with orange juice and then a shot of butternuts butter Scotch snaps. So good. Um, we'll always play. As for the worst. So there's gonna be some contradiction here. <laughs> I can't do Jaeger straight. All right. Like, shout out to Seth Green, the we don't do Jaeger crew. Like, I, I don't like it's not my thing. Will I do it if it's put in front of me? Sure. Do I like it? No. I don't like Black Crutkrush. All right. Like, I'm just not a Black Crutkrush guy. I like it in bombs. I have a friend who likes it in Bloody Marys, who I, I probably we probably need to do that on video. Like we probably need to do like a TikTok of it. We need to do a taste test. The whole thing. Like we just we just need to break it down how it started. Um I'm putting that in the ticker file because that seems like a great content idea. He might be mad that we're putting it on TikTok, but that's okay. It's where we get followers, baby. You can't look, I understand. It's not, it's not the greatest app, but you know, sometimes you just gotta go where the people are. Anywho, Jaeger yeah, on the on the lowest of my list. I will, but again, I will drink it. Like my wife's so always like, "Why do you turn? Like you could turn down shots, you know." And I'm like, "No, you fucking can't." She's like, "I do." And I'm like, "Do you know how many people? Like I I don't say this part, but I'm like, do you know how many people hate you? Like, <laughs> not really, but like, who the fuck turns down shots? Like I understand if you're driving, right? Like, get it? Totally understand, but like." Someone paid $4 for that. And she's like, well, they should ask. I was like, some people just want to do it. Some people want to shake up the night. Some people want to have a little more fun. And and I was always going to put Rumpel on my list. And then I didn't because I, it's not that I hate Rumpel. I don't. I, I just think, like, Rumpel ramps up the fucking night. All of a sudden, you take a Rumpel, and you're like, oh, my God. It's it's going wild. But, yeah, fu- my number one on the worst is Jaeger. Number two is... Irish whiskey specifically tell or do I didn't tell is bad like I, I just I don't think it's good like I think James I've grown to put Jameson in more of the average category I will have a Jameson uh shot here or there I like their flavored stuff too I think they do a good job with that I think if you mix it with like butterscotch schnapps Jamo butters a friend of ours was famous for that one um but Irish whiskey itself, just doing Irish whiskey straight, no thanks, man. I- I'm sorry. I- I'm a- I'm a bourbon guy. Um, I really have never dove into the world of Irish or Scottish or Scottish whiskey. I guess Scottish whiskey is Scotch, but it's late. Whatever, give me a break. So yeah, I will put Tully as my number two uh, specifically, but Irish whiskey as well. Number three, Snake Bites. So it's funny, I struggle with that third one because I'm, I am one person who I pretty much drink any booze. Like I don't, and I I realize that could sound bad, but I, I will drink pretty much anything, okay? Uh, spice rum, had a bad bad run in with it when I was 20. Um, I wouldn't say that spice rum is at the top of my table, but I also wouldn't turn down if someone's like, hey, I got you Captain and Coke because that's what I'm drinking. Okay, whatever, Uh so I was, I was really looking for that third one and I kinda of started poking around and then I thought about it and I was like, you know what? I haven't had one in a long time, but I fucking hate snake bites. Snake bites to me are very overrated. And we could do a whole other tap list of overrated shots. Cause I think lemon drops would also would be like at the top of that list. And I I don't I like lemon drops, but I, the the amount of work, the amount of effort. That's put in for lemon drops. Like, just fucking give me the lemon lemon vodka and let me chug it. Like, I don't need the f- sugar, I don't need the fucking lemon. Like, I I just give me the shot. It's just high maintenance. And of course, it's the Instagram girls that fucking love the love the lemon drop shot. But, anyways, that's the list. Uh, best tequila, fireball, any sort of bomb. Worst Jaeger, straight. So again, not in the bomb category. Irish whiskey, specifically Talamardu, and stay wet. And that is your tap list. Hopefully bring that back more. I just, I don't want to always talk about sports. And I, sometimes I think I don't know how to. Cause I'm like, all right, the show's long as it is. And I, and I think you guys have told me, like you like the longer shows. um. So why the fuck not, right? So we'll try to do more when we can. Um, Sometimes it's a timing thing and I'm trying, trying to get better at it. It's been bad. Uh, might have another therapy Tuesday in us um, as I try to work out my problems with procrastination. All right, back on Monday, uh, we'll do Packers Jets, we'll do Badgers and Spartans, we'll do anything else that comes across the wire. Um, we'll get. I don't know if we'll have any Buck stuff because we'll be we're we'll, again we're Bucks preview pod, so everyone knows. Tuesday, it will be out, it'll probably be out Monday night, but it'll be Tuesday, that'll be our podcast. So I will I will not be heard, well, you'll hear me, but it'll be me and Mitch. I don't think we're gonna do Tabby the Keg on Thursday. I don't think we'll back-to-back it, but you never know, uh, you never know. We'll see. All right, guys, take care of yourself. Have a great Friday, great weekend. Hope to see you out. If you do, uh, love to connect, talk, Anything sports, just give me a topic. We'll, uh, we'll rift. All right. Take care. Have a good one. Bye.